Hi, I'm Gregory Dickow, and thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you're one of our regular listeners, thank you for your continued journey with me. My prayer is that each and every message touches your heart and helps you encounter the real Jesus and rise to your true worth and purpose. Now, we release new messages every single week available to everyone in the world for absolutely free. And the reason we can do that is because we have precious people who give generously and sacrificially each and every week. If you're a regular giver, I'm truly thankful for you. I can't thank you enough, in fact. And if you haven't taken that step yet, I want to invite you to join us today. Simply visit lifechangerschurch.com slash give. That's lifechangerschurch.com slash give to make a one-time gift or even better yet, become a recurring giver here at Life Changers. Finally, I hope today's message truly encourages you, builds you up, and reveals to you how powerful you really are. Enjoy and God bless. Okay, so good. So, wow. It's so good to see you guys and to rejoice with you, celebrate with you, and dig into God's Word together. I just want to tell you that um, I want these words to permeate your, your heart today. You are a powerhouse. You are a powerhouse. I want that to permeate inside of you. I want that to just get a hold of you, that you're carrying the power of God inside of you. You know, we're not here to try to get God to do something. We're here to release into the universe and into the earth and into the atmosphere what God has already done in our lives. The Bible says, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The price for your sin has already been paid. The Holy Spirit comes into our heart. The Holy Spirit fills our body so that he can assure us and remind us continually of the things that Jesus has done for us and the things that Jesus says to us. Can anybody say amen to that? So you're carrying the spirit of God. And Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, not a different spirit, not an inferior spirit, but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who indwells you. You know that we're going to get a new body when we get to heaven. But what we have now is we have the body that we have. Right. But the spirit of God gives life to our mortal bodies. That life gives you peace. The life of the Holy Spirit gives you peace. The life of the Holy Spirit gives you love. The life of the Holy Spirit gives you healing, gives you strength. The life of the Holy Spirit gives you confidence and power. Boy, I'm confident in what's going on. I'm confident in this world. I'm confident while in this world, no matter what is going on in this world, because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And the Bible says he will teach us all things. He will warn us of things to come. He will testify of Jesus. He will remind us that we're the righteousness of God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Man, somebody's got to say, I got the Holy Spirit living in me. Say, I'm a powerhouse. Well, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and comes to you and baptizes you, you will receive power. Jesus said you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I don't want anybody leaving here feeling powerless. You know, all negative emotions, and this isn't even my message, but this is a word for somebody here today. <laughs> all negative emotions come 
from a sense of powerlessness. When you feel powerless over your past, you feel guilt and shame. When you feel powerless over your present, you feel depressed and anxious. And when you feel powerless over the future, you feel afraid. You see, all of those negative emotions come from a sense of powerlessness. Now, you say, how do we have power over our past? We have power over our past by trusting that Jesus washed it away and that God is not limited to time. He can go back into our past and he can tweak things. He can go back into our past and he can change things. He can go back into our past and he can rearrange things. He can go back into our past and deliver us from the shame of it, deliver us from the guilt of it. He washed it all away, but he can still tinker with time because he created time. Let's not limit what God can do. We have power in our present situation because we have the power to pray. That gives us that gives us power. We have the power to speak the word of God because his word is a, sharper than a two edged sword, sharper than a two edged sword, not just as sharp as, but sharper than. See, if you just if I just coach you on this, See for yourself. Say this out loud. Say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm in Christ. Therefore, I'm delivered from condemnation. I'm going to start. I'm going to stop beating myself up and I'm going to start loving myself because God loves me and no weapon formed against me can prosper for I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, who loved me and nothing will separate me from the love of God and nothing will separate me from the God of love. Nothing will separate me from God's purpose, God's family, God's kingdom and God's heart in Jesus name. Amen. Now, come on. Yeah, come on. Praise God. Now, now, let me ask you something. You feel better or worse after saying that? The end. I think we're about ready to go home now. Speak life. Speak life. Speak words of life, people. Awaken to your superpower. Everybody wants a superpower. Everybody wants to be Spider-Man or Iron Man or Wonder Woman or Aquaman or everybody wants to be Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's a girl, you know, right? Everybody wants to be if everybody either wants to be one of those superheroes, superpower. But the greatest power of all is like the the you know, if you put the Avengers together with the Wizard of Oz, you get a really amazing teaching. Everybody wants a superpower like one of the Avengers, but everybody needs to know they already have it like the Tin Man and like the Scarecrow and like the lion learned from the wizard. The wizard 
simply revealed to them what they already had. Mm. I felt that. Mm. You know, Creflo is not the only one that feels things in the city of his soul. Like I, I felt that too. I felt that. Let me just say something. I was just thinking about this earlier that if you really want to discover your superpower, um, it's the power to never be offended. You know, being offended is a sad state of mind. Being offended is is tricky because you may have legitimate reason to feel that way. But there's no legitimate reason to stay that way. And I love this verse in the Bible. Now I got to read this to you from the King James Bible. It says that for those who love the law, which is not the, the Mosaic law that he's talking about here, he's talking about the word of God, the promises of God. It says great peace have those who love thy word and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have those who love thy word. So in this beautiful verse of Psalm 119, verse 165 in the King James Bible, Psalm 119, verse 165, he gives us a couple promises there. One of them is you'll have great peace. And the other one is if you again, the King James Version, one of these promises is that you will have great peace. Great peace have those who love thy law and nothing shall offend them. So we have a promise of great peace and we have a promise that nothing will offend us. And what does it what what has to happen for us to have that great peace and nothing to offend us to love the word of God, to love the word of God. He says to love the word of God when you love the word of God. Now, loving the word of God doesn't mean just like what I just did, patting the Bible. It doesn't mean just that. It doesn't mean just caring. It doesn't mean just holding it close to you. Loving God's word, the word love there, the Hebrew word for that word love is to be attached to. To be attached to. In other words, if you will remain attached to what God says about you, nothing will offend you. If you re remain attached to what God says you can do, nothing will offend you. If you remain attached to what God says you are, who God says you are, nothing will offend you. In other words, it's not about an emotional. It's not about an emotional feeling about God's word but it's remaining attached to what God says. If you will remain, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I hear this a lot that I'm, I'm kind of mad at God because he hasn't kept his promise. The fact that you're even alive still to say that he that he hasn't kept his promise is proof that He's not late. You know what we should be saying when we have this feeling of getting offended at God, 
this feeling of getting offended at God because we're offended at God because he hasn't kept his promise. You know what we really need to be feeling excited. If he hasn't kept his promise yet, we should be excited because there's a lot down the road that we're going. There's a lot of promises we're about to run into, because if he hasn't kept it yet, he surely will kept it. He surely will keep it at some point because that's what he does. That's who he is. And it's impossible for God to lie. So instead of being attached to your feelings, oh, God didn't keep his promise. Stay attached to his word. He will not break his oath. He will not break his promise. He will do what he said. He will keep his word. He will keep his covenant to a thousand generations, to a thousand generations in this life. And that's 40,000 years of human existence, a thousand generations. One generation is technically considered 40 years. So if he will keep his covenant to a thousand generations, that means 40,000. Now, mankind has lived on this earth as we know it in Genesis chapter one for six thousand years. That's all. And God said he would keep his promise and he would keep his covenant for 40,000 years. The earth has existed in its condition for 6000 years. I don't know what it was like before when all the dinosaurs roamed and all that. I, I, I don't have all that figured out. Some say it's gap between Genesis chapter one, verse one and Genesis chapter one, verse two. That very well may be. I don't know. We'll, we'll know something. Something's not going to know till we get to heaven. But I know this. God won't keep God won't break his promise. God will keep his covenant to a thousand generations. He swore in blood he will keep it. He would have to step down from the throne and let the devil sit there if he were to ever break one of his promises to you. So what you have right now is not a broken promise. What you have right now is a promise that has yet to manifest. Amen. So don't be offended at God for not keeping his promise, be expectant of God to keep his promise. And when you feel like it's too late, don't be attached to your feelings. Stay attached to God's promise and then you won't be offended. If you are offended, it's because you got attached to your feelings or you got attached to somebody's opinion. But you stopped remaining attached to the promises of God. The Bible says dainty words spoken, negative words are like dainty morsels that get into the soul of a of a person and separates even the closest of friends. You know, negativity and gossip and accusing others of things, what, what that is meant to do by the devil is to separate people. It's to divide people because the devil is the divider. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the divider. And when you let that stuff into your heart, it divides you from peace. It divides you from love. It divides you from love from it divides you from fellowship. It divides you from people that you're supposed to be united with, not divided with. Amen. Fall out of love 
with your feelings. Live your life based on God's promises and do the things that God says will work even when it looks like they're not working. You know, Jimmy was sharing this verse about sowing in good in good soil, and it talks about 30, 60 and 100 fold. That's the reason why he says that. The reason why God Jesus said that is he's he's teaching us that the things of God are progressive. He's teaching us that things have to be you. You always have to start with a seed in the kingdom of God. Everything starts with a seed and the seed has to go in good soil. If the seed is in bad soil, as you heard, then the birds of the air will snatch it up. The the fire of the heat will burn it up or it'll just get ridden over, driven over, scattered on the road with no root thorns and thistles. But in the good soil, it produces 30 fold, 60 fold and 100 fold. It is progressive that he's talking about there. It's just like first the blade in Mark, chapter four, verse twenty six. He shows us the progression. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like a man that plants seed in the ground and he goes to bed at night and the seed grows. Mark four, twenty six and the seed grows in verse twenty seven. First, the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But notice what he did before he went to bed. He sowed the seed. But notice what he did after he sowed the seed. He went to bed. Now, some of us are too spiritual to catch something that's so simple. And what is so simple is in verse twenty six, it says the kingdom of God is like a man that casts seed into the soil upon the soil. And then he goes to bed at night. Listen, too many of us are going to bed at night, having not planted any good seeds. And then too many of us have planted good seeds without going to bed at night. We're trying to burn the midnight oil. We're trying to we're trying to do everything. And you can't if you do things God's way, there's some work involved in planting good seeds in good soil and there's rest involved going to bed at night. But while you're asleep, the seed sprouts up and grows by itself. How he does not know. Verse 28 says the soil produces crops by itself. Doesn't need your help. It needed your seed, but it doesn't need your help. And then it grows progressively. First, the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. OK, I don't know why I was talking about that, but somebody needed that. Somebody need, who, who needs some rest and some sleep. You start speaking God's word when every time that anxiety hits you speak God's word. Guess what will happen if you stay with that, you'll eventually fall asleep. Even if it was the devil keeping you up. When he when he hears you start speaking the word, he's going to help put you to sleep. <laughs> he doesn't want that going on. So you know what? You win in either way. You win. Well, I don't want to be a part of it. It's it's tongue in cheek. What I'm saying, you understand. Now, listen, we are blessed to be in what is called in the Bible, a church family. We're blessed to be a part of a, a church. We're blessed to be a part of God's 
church. And you know what? There are a lot of great churches in our city, in our nation, in the world. Last week, I felt led to just pray in our evening service that we had in the city. I felt led to pray for the pastors of our city and the churches of our city. Pray that those churches would succeed and grow and be effective and change lives and win souls. And I hope that other pastors are praying for me. And I believe that we need to be people that really respect that God has put into existence a vehicle to bring to pass his manifold wisdom, his perfect will. God has put a vehicle into existence that is meant to be a hip place, happy, imperfect people, happy, imperfect people, happy, imperfect people. This is the beautiful tension that you can be happy and imperfect at the same time. Many people think they can only be happy if they're perfect. But you don't have to be perfect to be happy. You'll never be perfect to be happy, so you might as well just take the accept, embrace the the title. I'm hip, happy, imperfect person. I'm a hip pastor, happy, imperfect pastor. And we're a happy, imperfect people. Can anybody say amen? Imperfect, right? I am. I know it sounds another conundrum there or (laughs) contradiction there. I am perfect. The way to spell imperfect is I am perfect. Think about that. That's a head scratcher. I am perfect is imperfect. When you realize you're imperfect, but you're trusting God anyway, you are perfect. We're a part of a house. We're a part of a family. You know, when my kids were little and they lived at home back in the day, (laughs) we had a rule. We had several. But one of them was we we eat dinner together. And we sit around the table and we talk about what God has done. We talked about we'd make all the kids go around the table and ask them, what is what has God spoken to you today? And if they didn't have an answer, I'd make them pray in tongues until they got one, because <laughs> where there are tongues, there always will be interpretation. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The tongue is a beautiful gift, beautiful prayer gift for anybody that wants that. It's beautiful. It's precious. And people should stop being afraid of that. Stop arguing against that. I know what it was like when I didn't pray in tongues and when I didn't have the gift of tongues, life was miserable. I never had any answers. When I started praying in tongues, life became a joy and life became good. And God made his words clear to me. He spoke to me more clearly. He he never. He was speaking clear all the time, but praying in tongues helped me to decipher what he was saying, helped me have an ear to listen, because you got to be crazy enough to pray in words that sound like gibberish 
You have to be crazy enough to do that. To also be able to be crazy enough to believe that God can actually speak to you. If you believe that God can actually speak to you, you might as well go ahead and believe that you can actually speak to God and that you can speak mysteries to God, because when you pray in tongues, you're speaking mysteries to God. I know we're going to lose a couple of visitors here today. Oh, I, I was hoping this wouldn't be one of those tongue talking churches. They're singing about abundance and having more and doing that. We're, we want more souls. We are singing of abundance. We want an abundance of abundance of souls saved. We want an abundance of God glorified. We want an abundance of God's goodness to show up in our families and show up in our homes and show up in our communities and show up in Israel and show up in Europe and show up in the Middle East and show up in the countries where there's war and show up in the Ukraine and show up. Listen, we need God. So any way to get his word and to get his power and to get his presence to manifest in this earth, I'm in. If praying in tongues helps get God's presence more manifest in this earth, I'm going to pray in tongues until we all are experiencing the presence of God in such a manifest way that we don't need to pray in tongues anymore because it all we got it all figured out and we got it all all the mysteries solved. Until then, I'm going to pray in tongues. Until then, I'm going to speak God's word. Until then, I'm going to win souls. Until then, I'm going to show up in church. Until then, I'm going to serve. Until then, I'm going to tithe. Until then, I'm going to give. Until then, I'm going to be generous. Until then, I'm going to smile. Until then, I'm going to pray. Until then, I'm going to prophesy. Until then, I'm going to serve. Until then, I'm going to give. Until then, I'm going to be a doer of God's word, not a hearer only. Come on. Amen. So listen. So I want to leave you with a few thoughts as we wrap today's service up in a few moments. Hebrews three, four says every house is built by someone. But the builder of all things is. Come on, the builder of all things is who? So is it safe to say that God is a builder? Is it safe to say that he made us in his image? Then is it safe to say that you're a builder, too? If God is a builder. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C or B equals C and all of them work together, you know. (laughs) If God is a builder and you're made in his image, then you're a builder, too. Say, I'm a builder. Jesus said in Matthew 16, blessed are you, Simon. I think verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by but by my father who is in heaven. Matthew 16, 17 says and verse 18 says, and I tell you this, that you are Peter, a little stone. But on this rock, what God just showed you. Flesh and blood did not reveal to you. That's the rock. What flesh and blood could not reveal to you. The father in heaven revealed to Peter. Put verse 16 or verse 17 up there. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Matthew 16, verse 17. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by a father who is in heaven. 
revealed this to you. What did he reveal? Verse 16 says he revealed that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 16, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter, but my father who's in heaven revealed this to you. I also say that you are Peter, which means little rock, little stone. But upon this rock, I will build my church. The word for this rock is the the rock of revelation, the bedrock, the bedrock of everything is that Jesus is the Christ. You are a little stone, Peter. But upon this rock, the bedrock of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, I'm going to build my church on this rock that Jesus is the Christ. And when your when our church is built on the rock, that Jesus is the Christ, you know, if our church was built on love, but not on Jesus as the Christ, then the gates of hell could prevail against us. If it was just built on mystery and, you know, everybody's spiritual and all truths are the same and all gods are, you know, every, as long as all religions are the same, blah, 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 blah. The gates of hell will overpower that. The gates of hell will prevail against just religions. But what the gates of hell cannot prevail against is the church being built on the bedrock that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the head and not the tail, the head of the church. And we're his body. We are not we are not um, divided from him. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we are the body. And therefore, we will never be divided from the head. Therefore, we should never be divided from each other doesn't mean that everybody has to be in the same church, but everybody needs to be united together no matter what church they're a part of. If it's a church where Jesus is the Christ and the bedrock of that church and the son of the living God. Come on, somebody's got to say amen. So what the devil and, and, and look at keep that keep those verses up until I give you another one. Thank you. Verse 18. I tell you that I will build my church. Who's building the church? I said, God is a builder. Hebrews three, four. He said, God is a builder. He, he's the builder of all things. And what specifically does he build? Jesus says, I'm building my church. I'm building my church. I'm building my church. If Jesus is building his church, he's not building the government. He's building the church. He's not building nations and cities. He's building the church. He could build any of those things. He's not building armies. He's building the church because the church is the one thing that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Armies can be overcome. Nations can be divided. Nations can be overthrown. Nations can be invaded. But the one thing that Hades or hell, the gates of hell cannot prevail against is the church. So I am taking it upon myself to make sure that instead of me judging the church, I'm finding a way to be connected to the church and finding a way to stay connected to the church because the gates of hell cannot overpower and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So you know what? Being a part of a church is more important than being an American. 
It's more important than being a Jew. It's more important than being a Palestinian. It's more important than being a Russian. It's more important than being a man or a woman. Being a part of the church is more important than anything because this is the one thing that God has put in this earth that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. The gates of hell, the gates of hell is going to prevail against governments. You know, the Bible says the Antichrist will rule governments. Guess what? What the Antichrist can't rule is the church. The church rules over the Antichrist. That's why he hasn't shown up yet, people. Now, there are many antichrists. The Bible says anybody that denies Jesus is the son of God. That is of the anti. That's the spirit of the antichrist. But there is one coming, the beast with the mark of the beast. <laughs> Woo. That man, whoever it is, some people think it's Donald Trump. Some people think it's Joe Biden. We have to stop villainizing people for their for their politics and their political political positions and hating. Come on. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Stop letting this stuff divide us. Vote for whoever you want, but you got to stay connected to the church. And a church by nature of who the author of the church and who the builder of the church is, which is Jesus, it's going to have diversity. There's going to be people of different colors, different races, different opinions. There are going to be people that are at different stages of their growth, different than yours. There are going to be people that are further along than you and have it more figured out than you do. And then there are going to be people that have less figured out than you do. So don't try to pull down the ones that got more figured out and don't try to judge the ones that don't have as much figured out. Give them some space. It's called having space for grace. Give people the grace to have some space to grow into the things of God. You say, so is the church welcome all the homosexuals and all the people that are that, that don't agree with all the traditional Judeo Christian values? Yes, they're welcome here because everybody's welcome here. Because you know what? If we don't welcome them, we can't welcome you. Because if you look at a woman, if you've ever looked at a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery, Jesus said. So we let uh, we let you adulterers in the church. I'm not saying that we're supposed to stay that in the condition that but we have to give people the room to come into the church and then to discover the power of the Holy Spirit, to discover their true identity, to discover their true self in the image of God. And let people have room to grow. Well, what about if this and that? I get it. There's all sorts of we can we can go down all these different paths. But if we just start with. Jesus accepts anyone who accepts him. And if somebody accepts him, he started with tax collectors and prostitutes. Why do we think we got to start with people that are fully developed in their maturity in their Christian life? If Jesus started with tax collectors, prostitutes, he started with people that were bad. 
Why are we saying don't come through the door unless you believe like we believe? No, don't come through the door unless you want to get overpowered by the love of God and the goodness of God and the power of God. And he's going to change you. <laughs> Woo! How many people come through the doors full of pride? And we're like, OK, well, at least they have a place where they can learn to be humble. But pride is worse than homosexuality. Pride is the worst sin of all. Pride is what the devil committed. And that's why he got kicked out of heaven. But he wasn't welcome there then. He wasn't welcome once he embraced pride and became pride. He was no longer welcome there when he tried to overthrow God. Like if somebody comes, says, you know, I know you welcome me, but I'm taking over now. Sorry, go now. Now you can leave. Now you're dismissed. <laughs> you can take under, but don't take over. If we would learn to submit to God, obey our leaders, because Hebrews 13, 17 says, submit to God and obey your leaders, for they give watch over your soul. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. See, some of us are getting are stumbling over the fact that I said something like what I just said. And yet there are people here that you you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're what sins they're committing. You don't know what's going on. Only God knows everything. And he doesn't condemn us. Now, listen, I believe God has a perfect will and but nobody is in it completely. Everybody's operating in a stage of God's will, the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, there are some things that are good. There are some things to God that are acceptable and there are some things to God that are perfect. And there are certain people that God is acceptable about. He's acceptable with them, but they're not in the perfect yet. I'm one of those people. You had to be careful on the amen there, didn't you? Because you didn't know exactly what do we what do, what do we amen into? What, what, what are you saying you are? <laughs> you'll have to go pray and get a pray in tongues until God shows you what I am. <laughs> Don't you see, we want the hundredfold harvest in people's lives, but it's a process. And we're all a work in progress. So we have to stop judging and coming to a final conclusion. Judging does not mean that you can't recognize good from evil. We can recognize good from evil. Judging means that you have made a final judgment about that person and that you are declaring that that person cannot grow any further in Christ. That's judging. To recognize, hey, that's yeah, that's that's a sin. Yep, that's a sin. Yet unbelief is a sin. That's the biggest sin of all. And yet we're going after who are we going after to be a part of the church. We're going after unbelievers. Unbelief is the worst sin of all next to pride. Unbelief is the sin of unbelief. They fell in the wilderness because of the sin of unbelief. If the sin of unbelief is the sin that everybody's going to hell because of the sin of unbelief. Yet what are we doing? We're bringing the sinner and bringing the unbeliever in. So what? So they can believe. And as soon as they start believing, they're not sinning anymore. The sin of unbelief. And if we can start there where they're not sinning with the sin of unbelief anymore, then we can figure out everybody's identity. We can figure out everybody's you know, we can figure out everybody's progress and help them go further in this journey 
Somebody's at 30-fold. Somebody has still gotten bad. You're still a bad soil. You just got to have a good, humble heart to be good soil that good seeds can be planted on. If you're not humble, you're going to reject all the seeds that would have made progress in your life and will give you the power because oh, I wish I had more time to say this. I, I really I don't want anybody misunderstanding what I'm saying here. I want you to understand there's right and wrong, but nobody is fully right yet. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. That's where it starts. Then unfolds our our identity. And as our identity unfolds, we then begin to this stuff that we identify with before starts falling off of us. I wish you could get a hold of what I'm saying here. This, you identify yourself as I'm just a bad person or I'm just, you know, I, I was in prison and I was a drug dealer. I'm a homosexual. I'm this, I'm that. All these labels that people are labeling themselves with and identifying with, those should not be the things that any human being identifies with. They should identify with who they are in Christ. Ephesians 1.11 says, for only in Christ do we find out who we are and what we're living for. You cannot fulfill your destiny until you know who you are. I'm asking you to have patience. I'm asking you to give people room. I'm not asking you to accept false beliefs, wrong doctrines and evil. We're not ever going to say evil is good. We overcome evil with good, but we're not going to be a people that says evil is good and good is evil. We're not going to be that people. But we're not going to be judgmental people that define people by their past or by their current struggle. And no matter what you think that somebody else's current struggle is worse than yours, this is now you are into self-righteousness. So now you're worse than that person. Your condition is worse than that person's condition. This is the, the elixir, you know, the the cocktail that solves every problem is humility. It, it, it might not solve every problem, but it creates opportunity for a solution to every problem. Pride. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If you say I'm holy and I haven't done any of those bad things, I don't have any of those labels. I've been a good person. God resists that. But if you say, you know, I. I don't I this is my lifestyle currently. I don't know anything different. But I'm open and I want God in my life and I want to let Jesus in. Can we meet people there? Can we be that kind of humble people and be don't hold on to our dogmatic. It has to be this way, but let's let people have room to grow, not tolerating and saying that evil is good. We're not saying that wrong is right, not saying I'd rather like somebody asked me, why would you say that somebody could be saved and still be smoking weed? Don't you know how bad smoking weed is? Yeah, I know how bad it is. But I also know that we're only saved by the grace of God, not by whether we smoke weed or not. 
until we get the foundation right. They said, well, you're encouraging young people to smoke weed. No, I'm not encouraging young people to smoke weed. What I'm encouraging young people to do is stop running from the church because you're smoking weed and thinking that there's no place for you in the church. We we'd rather have you in the church and then we'll work through the we'll work through this weed whacker, you know. Amen. The end. We're building the church. Come and build with me. Stand together. Come and build with me. Be a builder with me. You're a builder. I'm a builder. We're here to be builders. We're not tearing down. The Bible says a foolish woman, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. We will not tear people down. We will not be judgmental, but we will believe that the seed of God's word once planted in the soil of a good, humble heart that those we believe that those seeds will take take root and produce fruit. Let's believe together. Amen. Say, I'm a builder. God's a builder. I'm a builder with him. He's building the church. Therefore, I'm built into the church and I'm a builder of the church. I don't tear it down. I build it up with the word of God, with the love of God, with the goodness of God and by trusting God, even when my feelings contradict the word of God or the word of God contradicts my feelings. I'm attached to the word. I'm attached to the promise maker and the promise keeper and the promises of God that are yes and amen for me in Christ, in Jesus name. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you all. Can't wait to build with you on Think Like a Champion this week and Life Changers Church next Sunday right back here. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm praying that God is using this message to speak to you today. And I want to encourage you right now, if Life Changers is one of the platforms from which you're growing spiritually and you feel blessed and empowered by the content here, I want to ask you to go to lifechangerschurch.com slash give and become one of the givers, one of the people that is changing lives with me around the world. Become a greater part of what God is doing. Become a part of something bigger than just you or bigger than just me, what God is doing around the world through this ministry. You can give a one-time gift or become a recurring giver. Remember, the church is not a place, it's a people. Let's work together as the church to bring more people into the family of God. Go to lifechangerschurch.com slash give to give or click the link in the description. And thank you in advance. Remember, God's not mad at you. He is mad about you. He's in love with you and he is on your side. God bless.